Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we are on part two of our interview with John Fernandez. You do other things simultaneously as well, but they've learned that like this isn't something that you can take some, oh, let's just throw some you know, 22-year-old kid, You know, have them write a 1,500-word blog post, make sure to get this keyword in there a couple times. You know, If it's that easy, anybody could do it. You know, The, the things that are valuable are hard. You know, the, the reason why that there's a lot of... Um, if you didn't listen to part one and everything that's going on at Contently, uh, please go back and listen to that. Um, John, I really want to double down on this idea of, um, I feel like there's something you brought up in the first episode that I need to internalize further because, you know, you, this has got to be, I don't know, episode 250 I've recorded or something. I, I don't know, right? And so we certainly can get stuck in the patting ourselves on the back for more content. And, and instead of really holding our feet to at the flames on is this show of the quality it could be are we are we really pushing to get the guests that really have something to teach our clients but it goes back to that thing you said in the first episode about i, I felt like you were saying like you can win trust from your potential customers by like empathetically thinking about what's going on in their life and really like truly teaching them something of value am i saying that right or how how, how would you yeah. say it different you're spot on just okay so in your mind, who are some examples of people that do that well? Ooh, that definitely puts me on the spot. You know, I, I think of... Can I, can I tell you the two that I thought of when you okay. were saying that? And then maybe you can riff off of it. I, I was thinking of, uh, there's a guy named Marcus Sheridan that has this like in-ground pool website in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. And he was like going bankrupt in 2008. And he just started answering every question anybody has ever had in a sales meeting, even like the stuff that nobody in the industry would answer, right? How yeah. much does it cost? What's, what are the negatives of buying our kind versus the other guys? And he would like tell it himself and tell the negative things about his stuff. He wrote this book called They Ask You Answer, which feels like the ultimate guide to websites because it's like, instead of making a sales brochure, make it a buyer's guide. And I feel like I trust that Marcus guy because... He helped me so much in a $15 book that he probably could have charged me thousands of consulting and I would have paid it, you know, or like uh, Neil Patel, the guy from Crazy yeah. Egg and all those. His like his articles are so long and in depth. He's like trying to teach you how to do it without him. Like literally, this is free. Let me try and help you do this without me. Not like a little bit, like a lot. Any thoughts about either of those two or anybody that brings to mind? No, I mean, certainly Neil, <laughs> very well known. I mean, I think that's, and that definitely helped me in terms of my answer because what you find is the the people that are actually getting real traction are the people that are willing to answer the questions that aren't in everybody else's mind, but that everybody is just sort of too afraid to ask, right? I think of kind of Katie Martell who talks about kind of being like an unapologetic marketing truth teller, right? <laughs> it was it. like, 
you know, and, and, and so much of what she's kind of written that's really strong is just, you know, she says something that everybody in the room is thinking, but it's just too scared to say, you know. And, no, and no, I, I don't know her. What's her website or what's her company? What's her? Um, so she's been around. I think she's sort of like on her own consulting now. Uh, she's in the Boston area. She's very he- heavily involved in kind of the Boston content community. And you said it's Katie Martell? Martell, yeah. M-A-R-T-E-L-L. Like what's an example of what she'll say or do or – Oh, I mean, she's she's kind of she's produced a sort of self-published newsletter, um, you know, where she's just kind of giving like honest takes from someone who's been in, you know, marketing roles. She's had CMO roles before and just kind of says she just comes from a place of like everybody in the room was like, oh, yeah, I thought I was going to say that, you know, certainly a lot of stuff in the, in the market now about Adobe market of acquisition. You know, her first reaction is like, yeah, great for the business, but uh, I'm scared market is going to become more expensive. <laughs> And that mm-hmm. you know, so, so sort of my first reaction as well. And and so, you know, just the ability to say, you know, sort of speak your truth. Um, if you do that in the right way, it's really good. Obviously, folks like, you know, Leon, someone who I think has just been around for, you know, gosh, probably as long as I have. But, um, you know, who's always written really great content because he's – and I think back to that empathy point is – he lives it. He lives it every day. You know, he's got a he's got a company where he's supporting a lot of brilliant brands, and you know, just saying thing, you know, saying the kind of public thing of like, yeah, we we don't want to look dumb. We don't want to say that we don't know. Um, you know, there's so much pressure to be like, I know everything, and so the people have come out and said, I don't think I know what's going on here with 100 percent certainty, but here's what I think is going on. That that approach alone is you know really 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 refreshing. You know, it actually brings up something for me as I think about, um, you know, we claim that our marketing departments are to bring in more revenue, right? But half the time, uh, like as I think about, so we have some ad agencies that are clients of ours who have like, you know, Fortune 10 clients that sometimes they bring us to to, hey, can you guys just come help us on this, you know, big tech firm in in Silicon Valley that everybody on this show would know who I'm talking about if if I was saying names, right? (laughs) And, um, And you show up and you're like, you, you start to realize when it's not your own stuff, you can start to like become a little more objective and ask yourself, if I, am I doing the same thing as these people? Because these people are partially talking about getting more clients and then they're a lot talking about how cool am I that I made this marketing program? Like how does this content reflect on what people are going to think of me instead of like that true empathy, how, like having the first question really how valuable is this to the people who are going to read it? It's like, how good is this going to make me look? How is this going to position us that we're making something like this more so than how valuable is this to the person I'm making it for? And I think it's easier to like spot it in other people and, and give myself a pass instead of ask myself the hard question on, is this about, ooh, I've got someone cool on the show from Goldman Sachs? Or is this, hey, I know this person has something that is so valuable. I want to learn from it. So I think our listeners would want to learn from it. Well, it it's very human to not want to be self-critical. It's very human to want to pat yourself on the back and say, hey, you're doing the best job you can, everything's okay. But marketing, just stepping back for a second, marketing's gotten so brutally difficult in the past 20 years, right? Think of all of the things that marketing has gotten stuck with. Um, You know, the old Gartner line, or when it first came out, you know, six, seven years ago of, oh, the CMO is going to spend more money than the CIO on technology in 2017. Well, first of all, that was last year. And secondly, I think a lot of companies passed that well before then. And so marketing's in this terrible spot where 
on the one hand, you've got to be the most creative person in the room. You now have to be the most technical person in the room. And every single year in the marketing industry, we have something new that you have to do, right? I remember when it was paid search. I remember when it was email marketing. I remember when it was predictive scoring. I remember when it was social media marketing. Every single year, something comes out. This year, it's kind of ABM, right? And something comes out and you have to do it. And you also have to do every single thing that came up before. The only exception I can find is Second Life. There was that one year where everybody had to be on Second Life. And that's the only thing that seems that marketers don't have to do anymore. Is <laughs> it's it's really, really tough. And at the same time, you know, our 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 prospects have so much information overload. You could you could consume like all the knowledge on the planet very easily you know, 50, 100 years ago. Now I could probably just consume, you know, 24 seven, just content about my favorite soccer team, Real Madrid on just Twitter. There's enough content for that that's being created. So that's kind of made the task, um, I don't wanna say totally impossible, but really, really very difficult. And, and that's one where it's like having some empathy, we have to have some empathy for ourselves as marketers as well is, there's so much data, there's so many other folks trying to break through. I mean, look at the MarTech stack. You know, when Scott Brinker started first producing this, I remember when it got to like a 1,500 companies or so when I said, this is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen with so many different tech vendors that probably all actually would help me, but I will never have the budget of the people to implement it. And now it's at what, 6,000, 7,000? It's it's yeah. really, really tough. We just have to sit there and say, this is incredibly difficult. I think the one thing, the biggest management lesson I ever learned was actually not in kind of my business professional setting, but I, I taught chess to kindergartners for six years. And the first well, ever class- Will you class... back up for anybody who missed first, <laughs> first, the first episode that, you know, this is a former professional chess player teaching it to kindergartners. Okay, go on. Um, yeah, so it was good use of my time. But these were these were pretty- um, pretty wealthy kindergartners, really exclusive schools here in New York City and Manhattan. Um, and I was terrified my first day teaching. And so I found really healthy cookies. I think they were the, the Paul Newman Numinos and said, all right, you know, I'm going to win these kids over day one, bring them cookies. And it worked perfectly. And so like they had some cookies, they, they learned some chess, they sat down, parents walked in and saw their kids like actually like sitting down, paying attention to me as a sort of position. They're playing someone who's not their best friend. Like I thought I was on top of the world. Um, next week, come back for the second lesson. One kid said it to me the second I showed up, where's the cookies? <laughs> the cookies had become table stakes, right? So I could never, I cannot impress them with cookies anymore. Right, so I just brought the cookies. It was the same cookies you brought last time. Okay, great, it's a cookie, I'll have it. Like, it's not heartbreaking, but it's just a cookie. But taking it away seems like it's just this horrible thing. And business is like that. Like everything, I find that this, this analogy works so well for, for so many things in businesses. You have to sit there and go, people may not even love it. Actually, one of the kids was like, oh, I hate Numinos. But happily, like, ask me for a second. You know, they're, they're comfortable with what they are familiar with. And so you see that in businesses, you know, especially if they're creating, you know, if they have a blog that's like creating mediocre content, it has okay engagement, it still feels like cookies taken away if I ask them to change that, right? Okay. Even if I'm giving them something better. Yeah, I love this. Okay, I, we're going to talk about this because I feel like you guys are a great brand to talk about less but better. Um, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. Um, ha have a listen, everybody. Okay, John. Uh, I w 
before the sponsor break, we talked about this idea of less than better. I feel like you guys are, are a great mascot for less than less but better. And I, I think your analogy about the cookies and the kindergarten kids and the like, well, we've been on Foursquare forever. Are you, we can't just let it go, right? Or whatever social media marketing is, is not posting the numbers, right? Um, you think about like the courage to say no to things in order to say yes to the right thing. You know, there's like all those great quotes from Warren Buffett about like the key to really doing great is saying no to almost everything. And yet there's like such peer pressure in marketing to say yes to almost everything. It's, it's brutal. Uh, you know, everybody says you should say no, but like gun pointed at people's heads, they, they, they say yes to everything. And it's, it's, it's very difficult. You know, it's so much more important to say what you're not going to do than what you are going to do. I mean, it just creates this world where you just kind of have these infinite asks, right? I'm just going to keep saying, do this, do this, do this. And look, we all have, whether it's bosses or clients, everybody wants more. Again, it's always more, better, faster, cheaper, and more is always the first one of those. Um, it's very difficult to say, no, I'm not going to give you this. I'm going to give you this other thing instead that's actually more valuable. You know what, though? I, I'm thinking about this as you're saying that. And, like, you guys are obviously – you are the top of the content marketing heap in so many ways. And yet um, taking the time away – I'm thinking about uh, Shane's book. If people don't know, Shane Snow, one of the co-founders, completely wrote this book called Smart Cuts. It's really great. Can't recommend it enough. But you think about <laughs> that is not – a, just a collection of social media posts like that is real time and effort that book and i'm just assuming because so many people i know are c completely in love with that book i'm assuming that book has done a lot of good for contently is that a fair assumption yeah i mean smart cuts and uh, actually shane's recent one dream teams and, sure, and the one sure. we also produced the other storytelling edge shane's shane's brilliant because he thinks this way <laughs> because he actually wants to just tell great stories uh that it's amazing how well that works when you come from that that place in his mind but it's not just some book you know like people can get a ghostwriter and crank out a book right like it, it's like he he had to say no to a lot of things to get a book of that quality you don't get a book of that quality by uh you know a few thoughts over to the ghostwriter and and pump it out you know yeah but it's it's again it's that hard work can be difficult Right, you think of the work that, that that goes into some of the content. I've seen some of our customers who will literally spend weeks, if not months, on one really good piece. I mean, obviously they're doing you know other things simultaneously as well, but they've learned that like this isn't something that you can take some oh let's just throw some you know twenty two year old kid you know, have them write a fifteen hundred word blog post make sure to get this keyword in there a couple times you know if it's that easy anybody could do it. You know the the things that are valuable are hard. You know the, the reason why that there's a lot of a lot of folks, especially with journalism backgrounds, understands that that the craft of creating a good story is very difficult. And it's one thing that I've I probably didn't have that much of an appreciation of it before I came to Contently as I as I do now because I, I don't have a journalism background. I've I never I've never seen what it goes into to to write something the way that you know Shane or Joel Lazowskis or Jordan Teicher, who's our editor in chief of the content strategist, goes into for what was like a blog post. And I've been at the companies where those things didn't have that much thought that went into them. And and it wasn't until I kind of saw both worlds that I was able to say, ah, I actually kind of get why these results are, are different, right? I get why that, that sort of sloppily put together blog post didn't resonate while the ones that we spend a lot of time on 
that actually really have a thoughtful message to say that are well researched, the way you craft the wording in such a way that you tell them. Probably really teaching someone, like you said, right? There's a reason like people go to journalism school. There's people study writing enormously because it's really hard. And, yeah. and, and those people, you know, you can really win, but again, it's, it's, it's just such a hard discipline but, to, to really instill on folks. Okay. And I know we're running out of time in the episode, but, but I feel like this is also a little bit of the key to why you guys have such a great company. And we're excited to have you on the show is it's like, it feels cheap to have your 21 year old intern do it. But if they post 52 posts or 150 posts this year, that don't get engagement versus ponying up the dollars to work with somebody like you guys and actually get somebody from the Wall Street Journal to moonlight and write this thing for us that gets us engagement. <laughs> you know, you have 149 less posts, but you might have 300% of the leads or value, you know? Um, well, okay. So besides coming to Contently, you know, maybe getting the new uh, white paper on the content maturity model, where can people connect with you on social? I'm Jay Fernandez in in most places, including Twitter, um, and obviously Contently is just Contently and pretty much everywhere uh, on social media. Okay, so my final question here is, um, in this space with kind of the the unique perspective that you're bringing to it, you're not just one of the art kids, right? <laughs> um, what is a question as you think about somebody like me, somebody like Mylan, our firm? Uh, uh, or, or other folks in this kind of position trying to grow this space, you think about the next couple of years, what in your mind is one of the, the key things to focus on that maybe isn't as obvious to everyone? I think it's, it's, it's focus. It's, it's really saying no to you know, a, a lot of things that look like they're tempting, but finding out what's going to work for you. At the end of the day, the winner is going to be the person that understands their personas, their buyer's journeys, and figures out how to be with them wherever they are. That could be digitally. It could be offline, right? And so you just put yourself in their shoes and say, what are they thinking? Who do they look up to? Who are they reading? Whose content are they consuming, right? You know, some of those personas are listening to this podcast, right? Because they want to learn how to innovate better. They want to learn how to be better leaders, right? And so figuring out what all those are and, and getting rid of your sort of predisposed notions of this has always worked before. This is what I've been told I should work, but more saying, does that resonate with my understanding of that person? Is that what this person would think is valuable to them? And if the answer is yes, by all means do it. If the answer is no, not really have the courage in your understanding of that persona to say, no, this doesn't resonate with the people we're talking to. It's nice to have, but it's not really critical. And so if you can focus on those things well, you'll find that it works. And generally, hey, in business, this is all about getting resources. You find that stuff in, you know, that's core to your persona that works well, you'll get the resources to do some of the other stuff that's nice to have. Okay, I'm just laughing because uh, it, it's funny how we know the simple answers, but we don't do them, right? Like, so we had Joe Paluzzi, founder of Content Marketing Institute on. Same thing he told me get super, super intense about the first customer you're going to sell to, not generally, but know everything about them individually. You know, you read everything about innovation from Clayton Christensen and the jobs to be done stuff. And it's all about like deep empathy, get super dialed into them. Everything from IDEO and the D school at Stanford, you know, I went there and took classes and it's like, it's like deeply observing and watching what they actually do instead of what they say. 
and and yet you know the idea of personas who who in the marketing world what ceo that even has a marketing professional work for them hasn't heard about personas and somebody's supposed to do personas but as you say that i think you know what for supposedly pretending i know something about this business and owning a media company i, I can't say that our two more personas that we talk about are even written down like we talk about them our two biggest personas uh they're not even written down. And it's funny that I'm talking to like world-class experts, but not actually taking their advice. So I appreciate you doubling down once again on the important thing. And I think I better actually like go do it for a change. Look, we all do. We can always do it better. I love it. Hey, thanks for spending so much time with us here today. This, this has been great. Thank you, Jess. Okay. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano. I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or four hundred million dollars. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara, cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.